Well, I have been excited as we have been preparing for this series. Today, we're in week number two of this series. Uh, if you missed any of part one, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. You can catch Cole. He was teaching uh, on Facebook Live last week. You can catch that there, or you can pick it up on SoundCloud, the audio version of our teaching. I hope you will. But today, we're in part number two. Now, every, one, every single one of us in this room today, whether we realize it or not, we are all writing and adding to our life story, where it's as if we're writing it as we go. Our own book, our own story, our own novel that is real, that is true. We're busy writing it. Every decision that we make, everything that we choose when it comes to priorities in life, it all goes into this life story that we're writing. We are busy writing our history every single day. And while we're writing that story, if you're anything like me, there's another story that's going on in your life, another story that you have in your mind, in your head. It's this story that we're imagining, another story that we're dreaming about, that we're writing this second story in our minds, this story uh, that we hope will become our story, kind of the fairy tale version of our lives. That's what we're also writing in our minds. And we want that story to be our lives. That's what we want. It's kind of the happily ever after story. That's what that is. But when we are dreaming about that story, the truth is it's really just fiction. It's just a fiction. It's not a reality. It can be a reality if we begin to choose that story with our decisions moment by moment, decision by decision, because the story that gets recorded for our lives and archived for our lives, that story, that story is the one that we actually live moment by moment, day by day. That is, only, that is the only story that truly exists for us. Not the fairy tale version, only the one that we actually live. Now, I have, uh, uh, here's, here's uh, the story that I'm writing for me. Uh, and. Um, Inside this story, man, there's some things that I would like to tell you about, and um, but the truth is that some of those things are really just, well, I don't know that I'm ready to tell you everything in my story. It's just a little too hot, so I'm not going to do that. But I do have a story that I want to tell you this morning. Um, I, I, when I was somewhere around the age of junior high, somewhere in there, uh, it was report card time. Now, report card time in the 80s is very different than report card time now. We had this thing called a dot matrix printer. You need to go look it up if you've never heard one. Maybe the most superior printer on all planet Earth. The dot matrix printer. And so here's what I realized about the dot matrix printer, though, is when you got your grades in, and I got my grades in this particular day, I got it in, and I looked, and in that grade um, uh, were all my normal grades, A's, maybe a B, lots of A's. But there was this one particular grade, though. It was a D, as in dandy. I had never made a dandy before. And I knew I was going to, that's in the day when they gave you these report cards and you had to carry them home to your parents. I was, had in my possession a dandy grade. And I was so nervous about what to do with this dandy grade because I knew what might happen when I go home with that grade because it was not representative of what I should have done or could have done. 
and my parents expected me to do what I could do. Man, I was, I didn't know what to do. But thankfully for the dot matrix printer, I realized that if I took a very sharp pencil, number two leaded pencil, very sharp, that I could strategically, if I chose, I could take that D and I could create my own dot matrix printer and turn that D very easily into a B for beautiful. I could just very cautiously, and I thought about it, I thought, you know, I, I think I could do this. I think I could. But there was this voice in my head, this voice deep down inside of me that was like, Harley, don't do that. No, 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 no. Don't do that, Harley. Don't do that. Don't. That's wrong. That is not correct. That is not right. You should not. You ought not. You should not do that. Don't do that, Harley. And I thought long and hard about it. Long and hard. But, you know, ultimately, I, ultimately I'm a, I'm a, I was a good kid. I was an obedient kid. And so there was no way, no way on earth that I was going to take home a D. <laughs> so I got that pencil <laughs> and I changed the D to a B. I sure did. I changed the D to a B. And in that moment, I ignored that nudge that was inside my life. I ignored it. I did not do what I should have done, what I was supposed to do. I ignored the nudge and I did what I wanted to do, what would give me the results that I wanted. And that became a chapter in my book. That became part of my story. The fact that I literally lied to my parents about that grade and I never ever told them. They went to their deaths not knowing that I changed the D to a B. And now you know it too. <laughs> you did not know that until today. In fact, I'm not sure how many people, if anybody knew that before I shared, shared that. I, you know, it just, that's now part of my story. I got other things that are in this book that are now part of my story. That's an actual chapter written into my life story. There it is. The fact that I feel bad for doing it does not change the reality that it is there. It is now in my story. You know about it. Everyone I've told about it. And now anyone who wants to, to gra grab this off the internet, the world could see it. They know it. And I cannot erase that. It's there. I'm not proud of it, but I am being honest about it. It's there. Now, I could have chosen in that moment integrity and taken home the D. I could have done that. But if having integrity cost me something, which it would have in that case, it would have been very uncomfortable back then, physically. <laughs> it would have been uncomfortable. It would have cost me something. So having integrity in that moment was going to cost me something. So that made it pretty hard and difficult for me to choose integrity just because, hey, it was the right thing to do. Well, yeah, the right thing to do, but it was going to cost me. And so I didn't do it because I didn't want to pay the price. Haven't we all done something like that? Don't we all at some point in our lives sometimes choose to be bad to make ourselves look good? right? We do. We choose to be bad in order to make ourselves look good. 
We choose to be bad because there's something out there that I want. And if I'm good, I'm not going to get what I want, an outcome that I want. Maybe I'm trying to avoid something. If I choose to be good, maybe I'm going to have shame that follows, which that would have happened with that grade. Or if I, so if, if I, if I don't choose to be bad, then maybe some, I'm going to get some negative immediate uh, response of some sort that I don't want. It would have happened with that grade. But you know something interesting? In junior high and grade school, junior high, grade school, somewhat in high school, the consequences for having poor integrity are not as horrible, really, in junior high and grade school. I mean, I could usually live with those outcomes when I had poor integrity in grade school and, and junior high. Sure, maybe, you know, like you could say, I can live with this. Cheat on a test. What's the worst thing that's going to happen if you cheat on a test? You know, maybe they're going to send you home with a note to your parents. Maybe, right? You know, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, a little painful, but, you know, your life isn't going to change, really. In fact, some of you may have grown up with the philosophy that said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> and so maybe that was no big deal. Or maybe for you, you're saying that, you know, skip a class, skip a class in junior high, no big deal, really. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, maybe, maybe get caught, maybe, maybe get detention, right? It's really not that big of a deal consequences is not so bad. Tell a dirty joke in grade school, in the parking lot, or in the playground. You know, maybe the teacher's going to talk to you, and they're going to, but probably when you leave, the teacher's probably going to laugh about it. <laughs> it was a good joke. <laughs> but as we get older, the stakes get higher. When our integrity is at stake concerning adult choices and young adult choices, those are life-altering consequences. I mean, come on. When it's your marriage, the consequence is much higher. If you could lose your marriage because of a lack of integrity and lose your kids and lose your friends, when your job is on the line because of a lack of integrity, man, I've got to tell you, maybe you, you start thinking, I've got to take care of my family. How am I going to take care of my family now? So I got to do my part. I got to, do, I got to find a way to do it now. You see, undoubtedly, our stories are being written every single day, decision by decision. And it is our integrity. It's our ability to do what's right just because it's right. We do what's right because it's the right thing to do. So it's our integrity or it's our lack of integrity that is helping us write our stories every day. Don't miss this. Since you are still here this morning, as best I can tell, breathing, you're alive here this morning, the end of your stories have not yet been determined. We don't know yet if your story is going to end up a tragedy. Or your story may end up a comeback story, a come-from-behind story. We don't know yet in your story if you're going to end up being the villain or maybe the hero. We don't know yet if your story is just a fairy tale 
or if you're going to live something much more tragic. You see, those are the questions we can't answer yet because you haven't finished writing your story. You're still breathing. Therefore, your life story is still being written. You know, integrity is uh, an interesting thing because we all have this human tendency to hold the people around us to a high integrity standard. But then for ourselves, we don't apply that same standard for ourselves. We talked about that last week. And we have this, this th way of thinking about integrity that it's just like an independent decision. We think about, you know, it's just me. Back off. This is my life. It's just me. Back off. My life. My life. My choice. My life. We think integrity is just a decision. But we need to be careful. We talked about this last week. We shouldn't mistake that it's independent decision for one that is a decision in isolation because it's not done in isolation. When we ignore that inner nudge, that inner voice that we talked about last week and that I just mentioned this morning that said, hey, you ought to do this or you ought not do that. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. Uh, 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 don't do that. Watch out, Harley. Don't. When we ignore that, we often end up creating a mess, a mess in our life. And even though we look at that mess and we try to uh, redefine the mess so it doesn't look so bad, and we, we try to redefine it by blaming other people, I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't have, or they made me, or if they wouldn't have done that, we blame other people, or we deny, Danielle just talked about denying, we, or we deny that it's actually a big mess and a big problem, we just deny it. And in all of that, we're just excusing ourselves, saying, not really a mess, no big deal. Look the other way. We don't have to worry about this. And in the end of that chapter in our life, that chapter of blaming and denying or excusing ourselves, in the end, the result remains the same. The mess that we create with those decisions and those choices when we live by blaming and excusing and denying, we are pushing that mess out there and we're expecting someone else to come along and clean up the mess that we made. We're shifting that responsibility to them. We give them the load that we should be carrying and we make them carry that load for us. Which is why. When we exhibit poor integrity in making decisions, there will be always a transfer of load. The load I should be carrying will be transferred for the people to the people closest to me. And those relationships with those people will suffer because my integrity is not isolated to just me. It may be an independent decision, but it is not made in isolation. Haven't we all experienced that nudge? Haven't we? That little voice deep inside that just is trying to get us to do what is right because it's right. To do what is noble because it's the noble thing to do. What is that voice? What is it? It's so persistent. And last week, that was our topic. Last week, we said that Paul 
told us exactly what that voice is. And Paul describes that there is something written inside of each one of us, every single one of us. There's something written inside of us, written by God himself, and it creates a tension inside of our lives when we are about to make a decision that goes against that nudge that God has written into our lives. It's kind of a nudge or a voice you kind of hear in your conscience, however you want to phrase it. We determined last week that there's something already written in you by a hand that was outside of you that you can't seem to erase because it rules over you. You see, nobody starts their story with a blank page. When you are born and you begin writing your life story, you don't start your story with a blank page. This is so interesting to me. This is what Paul was saying. See, nobody starts their story with a blank page because according to Paul, God already gave me a start for my life story by writing something on my heart. And this applies to every single person who has ever been born. Is not that amazing? And when we ignore what has been written on our heart by God, when we ignore that nudge, that that voice that says, I ought to do this or don't do that, when I ignore that, it impacts the other people who are in the story of my life as well. When we fail to exhibit integrity, those connected to us always suffer. And if we were to chase that down to its rational end, we could say this. Our personal integrity always determines the health, the depth, the quality of the relationships with everyone who is a part of our story. That's a big statement, but it's true. Come to think of it, is it even possible to have a lasting relationship with someone who doesn't have integrity? Think with me for a moment. This is going to take your imaginations. We're going to talk about integrity and we're going to talk about your car, okay? <laughs> just, just go with me. Go with me on this. If you run or operate your car for too long without oil in the engine, bad things happen. I've done this, I know. You see, over time, friction is created. By any of those mechanical moving parts in your engine that are close together. If they are in close proximity, there is always friction for those mechanical parts. And without oil, that friction creates such a heat that those metal parts that are close together can actually, from that heat, weld themselves together. Things will seize up inside that engine. And that, as it turns out, is bad. You see, the engine starved of oil, it's not going to last long. Now, listen, I'm no mechanic, but I know that. I saw it happen. Our integrity 
is similar to the oil that's inside of an engine. Okay, so go with me with this here. When we're in proximity, close proximity to other people, those people you live with, the people you work with, your friends, the people you go to school with, the people inside your family, the people that are in close proximity with you, in a relationship of some kind with you, it creates 100% of the time, it creates friction in some way. Because just by being close to somebody in a relationship, any of those relationships, because you're close to them, by the nature of just living life, there will be friction created. It's going to happen 100% of the time. You know this. You put two people in a relationship together of any kind, long enough, friction will develop every single time. It's true for every single relationship that you have. Coworkers, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, your kids, friends, uh, family, the people you work with, you just name it. It applies to every single relationship in your life. You run that relationship long enough without the relational oil or lubrication, the relational lubrication of integrity as a result of just living life beside or near other people, that friction is going to be created. And without integrity, the oil, the lubrication of life, the result is going to be that that relationship is going to fail or it will be in the process of failing. But if you add good integrity into that relationship, as the oil of that engine, of that relationship, it will reduce the friction. It does not eliminate the friction. It just, integrity will reduce the friction. It reduces the wear and the tear on that relationship. That's what integrity does. It's the oil for your engine of relationship. And the truth is this, for some of us, we might have driven that engine, that relationship too long. And that oil light of the engine has been on and it has been flashing. And when that oil light comes on, you know, from the dashboard, you know, it's the, it's the oil light, something serious. Check engine light, nah, you can just live with that for the rest of your life. Oil light, that's serious. That's serious. And the longer it goes, the more serious it gets. And it gets to the point where you're like, I don't know if it even matters anymore. I think I'm too late. I'm, you, that, that's what we think. It's been, the light's been on too long. I think I'm too late. But make no mistake about this. There is still time. If you're alive and your relationship engine is running, if you're alive, then that means there is time to make some kind of change. Maybe in all of your relationships, or maybe there's just a handful. There's time to make a change. You see, if we can catch that relationship soon enough that has a shortage of the oil of integrity in your life, 
and you catch it soon enough, then you can add that oil, that integrity, before that engine, that relationship is destroyed. And in the same way, for all of these relationships that we have, we must add to every relationship we have better integrity before that relationship is destroyed. The oil light comes on, and when the oil light is on, we know it is serious. But if we pull that car over, if we pull that relationship over right now, if we can stop right here, right now, pull it over, we can begin to fix the problem. And my friends, there is still time. And for some of us, the series that we're in right now, this series is the oil light right now for you coming on. And you are realizing this is serious because it is serious. And some of us might need to pull over to the side right now and get this whole integrity thing figured out starting now. Which is why we're doing this series. Because the sooner we catch it, the better off our relationships are and the better off we are and the better off everyone else is around us that is connected to us, the less damage that will be done the sooner we take care of this. See, a relationship without integrity is like an engine without oil. Damage is inevitable. So for this series, our working definition of integrity has been this, doing the right thing because it's the right thing. That's what we're calling integrity. Doing the right thing because it's the right thing. I integrity is like a lot of other things in our lives. We have to work so hard to get integrity because it's not actually natural to us, this side of the Garden of Eden. We have to work so hard to get it, but it is so easy to lose integrity. In fact, it's a lot harder to earn integrity than it is to lose it. It's kind of the same way with weight, you know? Those pounds are a whole lot easier to gain than they are to lose, right? We all have been there. One of the reasons why that is for integrity, why it's so hard to get back, is because there's so much pressure for us to sacrifice our integrity every day at every single turn. We fear failure. Because with failure comes this horrible thing called shame. And so if I have to admit that I have failed at something, well, it's natural for me to be afraid of that. But do you know what else is natural? This is natural too. Not only am I afraid of failure, what comes very natural for me to avoid the negative side of failure is this comes natural, passing blame, pointing fingers at somebody else, making excuses for why this happened. Not really my fault. I couldn't have, not, I'm not really responsible. And then also lying about it. We will easily consider sacrificing our integrity if it's going to help us uh, 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 not have to experience some shame because of a poor decision that we made. Just like my grade. I was willing to sacrifice my integrity to make myself look better in my parents' eyes and avoid that shame, avoid that punishment. Or maybe we're just trying to avoid embarrassment. 
or some other kind of negative consequence. And that is why we lie to cover up a lie, to cover up a lie, to cover up a lie. Because the shame of owning up to a poor decision where we lacked integrity, that's really, really hard. That cost is too high. The cost of being a person of integrity can simply be too much of a cost, and we're not willing to pay it. Which is the very reason why we need a compass. We need an integrity guide to help us. If we're going to work toward writing a life story of integrity, then we need something that's going to help keep us pointed in the right direction. Whether it's a guide to help us regain our integrity or whether it's a guide to help us keep our integrity, we need a guide. Now, in the Old Covenant, there's a very famous king by the name of King Solomon. Um, And King Solomon, just like us, he was also in the process of writing his very own story, his story, based upon every decision that he made, every thought he had, every decision, every word he said, he was writing his story. One decision, one choice at a time, just like we are. And you know, Solomon's story is. Well, very similar to many of our stories, because it started out one way, and then it ended a very different way. You see, Solomon's story began kind of like a fairy tale. It was amazing. Out of the gate, Solomon, man, he was just getting after it as a young man, kind of as a kid and a teenager. He was getting after it in a good way. His story was like a rock star. It was, and God Because of how his story was going, God gave Solomon a gift, and he gave him tons of wisdom as a gift. Wisdom for living life. That's what he gave Solomon, among other things. And at some point, as Solomon got older, moved out of his teen years into his young adult years, into his adult years, as he was there as an adult his story began to change. At some point, Solomon stopped following the wisdom that God had given him as a gift. And as a result, Solomon's story ended up very different from how it began. Solomon was set up from the beginning to have the story of a hero. But he ended up with a story kind of like a villain in his own tragedy. You see, Solomon was expecting later in life integrity from other people, but he was giving himself a break and not expecting integrity of himself. Solomon didn't apply some of the very things that we're going to talk about today, the very things we're going to look at today. And we're going to be looking at a piece of wisdom today that actually God gave Solomon And this was so good that Solomon wrote this piece of wisdom down for all of Israel and himself to follow. Because integrity is hard to get, but easy to forfeit. Which is why we need a compass to help guide us toward a story, a life of integrity. 
We need a compass to help us stay there with our integrity by continuing to point us in the right direction, one decision at a time. Because integrity is hard to get, but easy to forfeit. And that compass is exactly what Solomon described for us in this proverb. He listened to it early on and he ignored it later. Here's how it begins. Proverbs 11.3. It says this, the integrity of the upright guides them. We're going to pause right here for a moment. The story that you write is determined by the guide you hold tight. Let me say that again. The story that you write is determined by the guide that you hold tight. You see, we all have help writing our life stories. We all have help. We are not writing these by ourselves. We have help. We all have help. No one writes their story alone. Every single person writing their story has a guide. And the guide that you hold tightly to, the guide that you choose for you, is going to determine what happens in your life story. And your guide becomes the filter for every single decision that you make, every path that you take. So here's the question this morning. What is your guide? What guides you? What guides you? What is leading you in a direction of your life? What are you holding tight to? What is helping you make those decisions in your life? It is either integrity or it is not. Is it integrity? Is integrity your guide? Now, I love this proverb because uh, the Hebrew language is very rich with pictures, okay? Very rich with pictures. And this proverb is an interesting word picture, we call it. Solomon purposefully uses Hebrew words in this proverb to craft not only something he's saying, but an image that comes to our mind as he is saying it, as he's writing it, as we read it. And here's what he wrote. The English translation says, the integrity of the upright guides them. And that Hebrew word that we have translated upright is yashar. And yashar means to straighten up. It is to be straight, to be right. Now, let me give you the literal word picture that is being implied with this word yashar, which means upright. The picture is this. It is that we suddenly sit up straight. Did your parents ever tell you sit up, sit up, sit up straight? Did you, were you ever told to stand up straight? And that's the picture that for some reason your posture is different. And in this moment, you stand up straight. You stand upright, which I'm having trouble to do with my back. So I'm going to sit down. Stand up, stand up straight. That's the picture of someone standing up straight. And when they do, their head comes up and their eyes are going forward. This is the word picture that is crafted in our mind. With the integrity of the upright, it guides them. The upright, the integrity, they're going to be guided. They're upright. They stand up. They pay attention. Eyes forward. Consider this a posture. When you see this verse, imagine someone sitting up straight, standing up straight, and they put their eyes forward. 
Literally, that's what this word means, to stand up straight, to look forward, as if you are peering, looking further down the road. That's a lot packed into one word called yashar, but that's the picture. Now, consider that posture, upright, standing up straight, sit up straight, looking forward. Consider that with the alternative, the contrast. So if I'm not standing up straight, looking forward, then that means my head is bent down. All right. So it's got a crook in it. It's bent down. And I'm looking right in front of me where my feet are right in front of me. I'm looking right there. Only one step ahead of me. Am I looking right there? The step of this moment is what I'm looking at right now. The word pictures imply, implies this, that there's a difference between being straight up, looking forward, looking further down the road, and looking down with the head bent, crooked, twisted down, looking down. And in this perspective, my perspective is right now, what is right in front of me at this moment, it elicits that this idea, this moment right now that I have is not connected with anything else around me. It's just this moment right now by itself, individual and isolated to right now. That's the only impact right now, this very moment. I don't have to worry about anything out there. I'm looking right now. I need to worry about this right here, right now. All right? I'm looking down. So it's my perspective. An individual isolated event. It says life is not connected. I only have to worry about this step and then this step and then this step. That's all I have to worry about. But contrast that with Solomon's picture that he gives us, a picture of someone whose integrity guides them, he says that person is upright. They walk upright. They stand up. They sit up. They look forward. Standing straight up, looking forward, peering into tomorrow. Living today with the understanding that everything that happens today, right now with this step, is connected to something down the road. It is not isolated. What I do today is connected to tomorrow and maybe several tomorrows, maybe years. It's connected way down the road, what I do right now. It's not isolated. Isn't that amazing? All of that in a word. What I do today, where I go today, the person with whom I spend time with today what I say right now, what I do right now is going to play a role in what I end up doing and experiencing tomorrow or many tomorrows down the road. Because life is connected. It is not isolated to this moment. So here's a question for today. What story do you want to tell with your life? Better yet, what story do you want to leave as your legacy? And you know, the truth is, it's kind of a rhetorical question because we all want to be proud of the story that we ultimately leave behind. So that's kind of a dumb question, Harley. We know what kind of story we ultimately want to leave behind. We want to be proud of the story that is being written with our life. And if that is the truth, if we want to be proud of the legacy, the story we leave behind, then, then here's the reality, then our posture, our integrity is going to help guide us toward that very story. 
an upright individual who sits up, stands up, looks forward, is guided by integrity. They understand that while the decision I'm making is individual, I'm the one making the decision. It is right now an individual. That decision, those decisions are not isolated to just me and this moment. The upright posture allows me to peer further down the road, to look further down my life path, down the path, and to see what will be possibly um, uh, uh, impacted by the decision that I make right now. And in order to make that determination, you have to stand up straight, be upright, and look forward to do that. So in light of the story that I want to write with my life, and in light of how I want my life to end up later, further down the road, what do I need? What do you need to do right now in this moment? We make that decision based upon further down the path, not what I want right now in this moment. My posture guides my future. You see, if I'm upright and I'm looking further down the road, I'm more likely to act with integrity. I know in my life, my biggest regrets in my life, and I have, I have some big regrets in my life story. But almost every one of those big regrets that I have happened because I was looking solely at that step, not looking forward, not looking further down the road. I was looking at right now, not later. I was looking at what I wanted right now, what I wanted to happen right now, what, what I thought was best for me, what I wanted right now. And the oil light was probably on, but I didn't want to stop and take care of that. So I just ignored it. I wanted to charge forward with this step. My eyes weren't forward. My feet were just running forward. One step at a time. And I was just looking at that. That's, I was just ignoring the warning light. I'm like, I'll worry about that later, if at all. But. What is the warning? I mean, sure, integrity is the oil in a relationship. But how do we know when there's an issue? I mean, what does the check engine oil light, what does it look like in your life? What does it feel like in your life? Okay, so let me help you understand this, because this, this is a difficult question. So here's a pressure test. Let's put this engine, this relationship, you, under a pressure test. Here's the question. For this pressure test. What is our gut response when we are placed under pressure in life? What's your gut response? What is your gut response when keeping your integrity might cost you something, something that you really want, 
In other words, if I have bad integrity in this moment, I will get what I want. But if I have good integrity in this moment, I'm not going to get what I want. That's the pressure. And when you are under pressure in life, when the heat is turned up, when you're angry, when you're hungry, when you're frustrated, when you're tired and exhausted, when the pressure is on, what is your gut response? What happens in your life in that moment? Because that is a moment where your integrity is probably, if you have it, if you hold on tight to it, it's going to cost you something. It might result in shame. If you have good integrity, you might have to admit something that's, that you've really blown and messed up. What happens when you're under pressure? When you're under pressure, do you lie to cover it up? Is it, do you lie? Is that what you do when you're under pressure? This is the pressure test. What happens when life, the pressure is turned on and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate through it? Is your first response, well, I can just lie about that. I don't have to tell them the whole truth. I can tell them just a little bit of the truth, part of the truth, a piece of the truth. I don't have to really admit it. I, I can lie. Or when you're under pressure, do you make excuses for yourself and, ex and give yourself a pass? I had no choice. I, I, you know, I had to, what was I going to do? I had to do that. I know it was bad integrity. I had no choice. Do we excuse ourselves or do we blame other people? Do we point our finger at other people? Their fault. It's their fault. If they had not done this to me or said this to me, I wouldn't have responded that way. Or if they had done their job, I wouldn't have had to have done what I, what I did. Do, do we blame and point our finger at other people? Or when we're under pressure and we know we've messed up, do we try to cover it up? Do we try to disguise it so that nobody can see it like I did with my D? Do we try to cover it up and disguise it? Do we try to do something to shift their attention away from my mistake and cause a problem over here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look at this. Here's the problem. And forget about this. Look at this. These are all clues that integrity is not my guide and it is not helping me write my life story. That's the pressure test. Now, when we conduct a pressure test in our lives, it might be right then at that moment that we discover in most of our story, we might have to admit that we have been more interested in looking good than being good. If integrity is not my guide, I'm more interested in looking good than being good. In other words, if being bad can make me look good, I'm all for it. That means I failed the pressure test. So here's what Solomon says. Integrity, the integrity of the upright guides them. Now he gives us the other picture. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Now there's that opposing word, crookedness. The upright, they stand up, they look forward. The crookedness, oh no, no, now we're bent down. We're twisted down. We're looking right here. This is a whole different word picture. I did just say picture. Picture. A whole different picture. But it is the upright versus the crooked. And the root word here that, uh, that he uses, it means to cover up. I got to bend down, look at it, I got to cover it up. 
I, I got to look right here. I got to cover up. I, I've got to avoid it, be, not let people see this mess here. I got to cover it up. I got to deceive you in order to, to keep operating. So I've, there's deception, crooked, bent over, looking down at right now and covering up. It implies twisting and it implies perverting. And this posture right here, covering up, twisted, crooked, uh, uh, deceiving, this posture will overturn and overthrow the story of my life every single time. It will sabotage my story. It will gain control of my pen and write a whole new story for my life if this is my posture. It's almost violent in the way it grabs my life and forces a whole new story. It's violent how it grabs me and it bends me and twists me and perverts my story and my direction. It's violent. You know why it was so violent? Because we didn't see it coming. Because we were so busy looking down at this step right here, isolated. Oh, it has nothing to do with tomorrow. It's just right now, right today. And it's violent. I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. I didn't expect that to happen. Our posture was bent. Our posture was crooked. It was looking down only right in front of us right now. And there was no way I could see what was coming. I could only see right now what I wanted, what I was dealing with right now. But the opposite, the upright, stand up, sit up, look forward, the upright. We could see further. We could see it coming. That's where we find integrity. Think with me for a moment. What do you think of the people in your life? And you know who they are when I say this. What do you think right now of the people in your life who are constantly lying to you? What do you think of them? The ones who are always defending their bad choices and excusing themselves from responsibility and they blame others. What do you really think of them? Because when that person messes up, they don't fess up and they certainly don't clean up. And it's almost impossible to have a good relationship with that person, isn't it? It is. In fact, we want to get out of their story. We're like, please write me out. Get me out of this mess. Get me out of this story. We want out. Write us out. But now contrast that with the person the person whose story you want to be a part of. The person who's standing up straight, looking forward, they're looking further down the road. The person whose guide is integrity, not a perfect person. Do not misunderstand me. Not a perfect person. By any means. Because integrity does not mean infallible. It does not mean flawless. But here's what it does mean. Integrity means this. When we mess up, we fess up. We own up. We don't just cover up. We don't leave you to clean it up. No, 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 no. We fess up. We own up. And we clean it up. 
That's the person with whom you can have a long lasting, long, go the distance with type relationship. That is the person you want to marry, right? That's the person you want to be married to. That's the person you want your son or daughter to meet and be connected with. That's the person you want to work for. That's the person you want to work with. That's the person you want to be a part of your life story. And that's the story that you want repeated about you for your lasting legacy. The story you write today, decision by decision, priority by priority, moment by moment, is either a story that your grandchildren are going to beg to hear again. Tell me about that again. Tell me about that again. Or it's going to be a story that they want to hide and bury and not be associated with. And the story you write is directly dependent upon your guide. Is it integrity? Are you sitting? What's your posture? Are you sitting up straight? Are you standing up straight, looking ahead, looking further down the road? Because you know that this choice right now is going to impact something further down the road, maybe tomorrow, maybe many tomorrows away, but it's going to impact something or someone further down the road. What I choose right now is going to impact then. There's just no way around it. The story of great relationships doesn't require mistake-free individuals, but it always requires integrity. The strange thing about integrity, it's like a muscle. It gets stronger as it gets exercised. Oh my goodness, I've been, I've been struggling with my back now for almost two months. And for almost two months, I have been walking around like a really, really, sorry, no one in here meets this, thankfully, but like a really, really old man. I have been hobbling around. I haven't been able to use my muscles the way I normally would. And so here's the crazy thing. In just six to eight weeks, the atrophy in these leg muscles is astounding. There are moments when I'm walking that I'm not sure my legs are going to hold me up. I'm not sure they're going to take me up the steps. If I'm carrying something besides just me and my fat body, I don't know that I'll make it. I feel that in my legs, atrophy, because I hadn't been using them the way they were designed to be used. And integrity is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. The more you use it in the little bitty tiny moment by moment by moment by moment decisions, then the more likely you are to have the integrity to do the right thing with the big decisions. Because the muscle's stronger. You've grown it little by little by little by little. And then when the big ones come, you're ready. So exercise that integrity in the little bitty small moments every single day, not because we're looking down, not because we're focusing on this, but we're upright. We're looking forward. We know that this step has something to do with the step down there in our direction and our path. And we're asking integrity, integrity, choose integrity, even when it costs you. That's when you know you have it. 
If that decision doesn't cost you anything, well, sure, you can do the right thing because it's the right thing. But if it's going to cost you, that's when you know you have integrity. If you choose to do the right thing because it's the right thing, when it costs you. So, Stuttgart Harvest Church, when you mess up, mess up, clean up, no more cover up. Let this be the last time that we write in our life stories, cover up and blame. Asking God to help us stand up straight, to look ahead and write a story of integrity because integrity is our guide. Doing the right thing because it's the right thing. Doing the noble thing because it's the noble thing, even when it costs you. So this week, here's your next step that we're suggesting. Let's all determine what is truly our guide. What is that? What is it for you? What is truly your guide? Is it integrity? Or is it integrity only when it doesn't cost you? When it doesn't cost you anything? Is that when it's integrity? Or is it something else? What's your guide? What is your guide that is helping you write a story that you can be proud to tell? Integrity is so, so easy to lose, so difficult to get back. But I want to be very clear about something. So sit, sit up straight for just a moment here. Listen to this. Let me be very clear. Here is what we're not saying today. Please hear this. Don't go back because of something you've done back there and hurt someone with it today. Someone who has no idea of that wound that you have created. They have no idea you did that. Don't today go back trying to make up for that, trying to be a person of good integrity. Don't take that information today and then go to that person who has no idea that you have wounded them, but you have, and go tell them that because you are going to destroy them in that moment. Now listen, we're not saying that that shouldn't happen at some point. We're not saying that it should not happen eventually. We're saying don't go do it now because that should not happen. Listen to this. Very, very, this is very, I don't know how to emphasize this enough. If that is to happen, it needs to happen for you under the guidance and counsel of a Christian therapist, a Christian counselor. That's when it happens, okay? Don't go and do that on your own. If they don't know that you've wounded them, don't take that wound and now cut them down with it. Don't do it unless you've talked to a Christian counselor first. What are we saying then? If that's not what we're saying, here's what we're saying. From today forward, let's change our posture. Let's stand up straight. Peer further down the path. And let integrity be our guide. Live today, this moment, this decision, this choice, this instant. Live today like life is connected. 
even when it costs you. Because it is connected. Integrity is hard to get back, but it can be regained. So stand up. Look up. And when we mess up, fess up and clean it up. Just listening to the life story you got to hear this morning. Danielle just painted the picture for us. What I am saying right here, she painted the picture for every single one of us. Integrity is hard to get back when we lose it, but it can be regained. She's doing it. Stand up. When we mess up, stand up, look up. And in, in that moment that we do still mess up, fess up, clean it up. Don't cover it up. And may we all turn the corner in our stories the way Danielle is turning the corner in hers. Let's pray. Father, we need your guide for our lives. We need that guide of integrity. God, I don't want to make my decisions based upon right now, this moment, what I want. God, I and so many of my friends here today, we desire to sit up, to look further down the road so that we can make wise choices. But God, when we do mess up, God, may we immediately stand back up and may we look up and fess up. May we not cover up and with your help, God, and the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross, may we clean it up. Jesus, we can't do this without you. And so, Jesus, we ask you to help us stand upright with integrity as our guide. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.